0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative questions of how politics and preaching could go together this week. My name is Reverend Chris Upton, I'm a Baptist minister accredited by the Baptist Union of Great Britain. For the last 23 years I've been the minister at West Lane in Howarth, but I now work for Christians Against Poverty as the church funding officer and as the national lead to the waterways chaplaincy. Through both these roles, I'm gaining an even wider perspective on how society is changing and on how politics and faith interact in the public sphere. Each week, I'm joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political spectrum. Today, I'm very pleased to introduce the Indijit Singh Boga, theologian and Methodist minister, Reverend Dr Indijit Singh Vogel, OBE, is a leading theologian and Methodist minister. Retiring in 2018, Indijit is currently working with churches together in Britain and Ireland to develop and promote the idea of the Church of Sanctuary and has been the minister of Winnebank Chapel since 1994. He's the founder and president of City of Sanctuary, former president of the Methodist Conference Former leader of the Corrie Miller community and former CEO of the Yorkshire and Humber Faiths Forum. He's also president of the Methodist Peace Fellowship, married to Kathy, and they live in Sheffield. Inderjit, welcome. It's good to have you with us today.
1: Hi, Chris. Thank you very much.
0: Inderjit, we are on the JP <laughs> forum talking about politics and preaching. And just occasionally, people say to me, Politics and religion, oh, they shouldn't go together. Has anyone ever said that to you? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, was it uh, Desmond
1: Tutu? He says, I don't know which Bible they're reading, you know, if they're saying something like that, because the Bible is a political text all the way through. Uh, so for me, actually, in terms of preaching, it's not about being political. Um, okay, I'm not standing up to make a political statement when i'm preaching i think it's more about being prophetic and that can mean that we engage with politics uh, and that's key in keeping with the style of the biblical prophets who were always speaking truth to power uh, with compassion and passion and always seeking justice so that's how i come to this. So there is an idea that
0: a prophet is somebody that foretells the future by reading tea leaves, but you're suggesting they're actually just reading the signs of the times.
1: Yeah, I don't think a prophet foretells. I think a prophet says it as it is, says what's happening now. Uh, You know, it's a bit like... um, the king is not wearing any clothes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what, what is obvious to everyone? Everyone can see what's going on, but nobody talks about it. Nobody says it. And I think the prophet really just says what's there. Um, that's what the biblical prophets were doing. They're not particularly saying what's going to happen in the future. They're saying what's happening now. You see? Yeah. You
0: know? Okay, so given that, what is the main thing that's happening now in our world?
1: Well, okay, so where are we? Uh, we're in the season of political conferences in Britain, okay? All the parties have been having their conferences. Yeah, They're yeah. still going on. So very much, very much uh, party going on. And what's intriguing to me is that whichever political party has added to their team is about change. They want to see change happening. Right? Um, that's what they're saying. And and they are responding to what they think the electorate wants, what the people want, which is to see some change. Um that's that's the the thing I see before us. And then looking at what needs to change. For me, um if you look biblically And what are the key things where change is required? Well, the prophets always held up three important themes. The widow, the orphan, and the stranger. You know, consistently they held up those three groups of people. For me, the widow represents um, um, older people um, who are, you know, without support. Older people, vulnerable older people living on their own. Um, often, it's children living in danger. The stranger is the migrant, uh, somebody who comes from another country. And if you look at the world in which we are, if I were speaking in any of the political conferences taking place at the moment in this um, season of party conferences, I'd be asking each party, what are you doing about supporting the older people and the support they need. Uh, what are you uh, saying about children? What's happening to children in education, children in the sea, and so on? And what what are your um, policies about justice for people seeking sanctuary, you know, migrants in our midst? Mm-hmm. So those are the three things biblically that the prophet held up, and those are the three themes I think are really important. To always have to be important uh, in terms of what we're saying. But if you ask me for my own particular take on what are the big, big challenges in addition to what I've said, I would say there are three things which, for me, I'm not, I'm not saying these in the list of priorities. but three things which, in the world in which we live, uh, have to be addressed. The first is poverty. You. Um, stated clearly where you're coming from on that you know and that needs to be addressed. I don't mean just in Britain, I mean globally um, and then secondly plurality and that's about living with those who are different. If you look at any conflict in the world today, Israel, Palestine Ukraine, Russia um, Syria Sudan North, mm-hmm. South Sudan, okay wherever There is conflict. Um, It's all about uh, living with those who are different from us, and that's a big, big challenge for the world in which we are. And the third thing, and i also begin with the P for me, poverty, plurality, and pollution, environmental degradation, and uh, uh, climate change, you know, uh, and, and what's happening, and global warming. So those are the three things for me, Chris, okay. Uh, in terms of the mega uh, mega poverty plurality pollution um economic uh, economic inequality um extremist kind of religion and no. politics and uh, environmental degradation
0: Hindajit, it's almost as if we've collaborated on this before, because JPIC gave me some headlines that we might as preachers want to remember as we prepare our services for Sunday. They highlighted the war in Israel-Palestine, the Hamas and the death toll that's rising in, in Gaza. They highlighted the earthquake in Afghanistan on Saturday, more than a thousand people feared dead. They reminded us of the Conservative Party conference last week, Labour this week, and then also uh, the flash floods in Scotland with England experiencing both the the wettest weekend and the warmest October and September. So those three Ps are played out even in the JPIT headlines. I'll also highlight that we are still in Black History Month. and It's Prisons Week uh, in England and Wales, World Homeless Day on the 10th, Freedom Sunday on the 15th, and next week is the week of prayer for World Peace and Challenge Poverty Week in England and Wales, 17th to the 23rd. Yeah. So there's plenty to be getting on with on the big picture, but we also need to look into our texts yeah. for That's the week.
1: Good. Yeah, when you look at the nuts and bolts, it's about, you know, who who gets hurt the most. Uh, and the way the world is organized, it seems to me, you know, you're therefore asking who has power and who doesn't, uh, looking at the Black History Month and what's the, the important thing. By the way, I'm doing a lecture on Saturday on uh, celebrating the contribution of Black Methodists in the Methodist Church. And I'm doing a lecture at uh, Saturday morning for Anglesey Brook a Methodist Center.
0: Okay. Is that online indiject I I, I, I I think
1: so. It's certainly by Zoom. So I think if people want to listen to me at 11 o'clock on Saturday this coming Saturday, 14th of October, Anglesey Brook. if you Google that, I think you'd find, we'll uh, find that. on that. Okay. But looking at okay, where is power and where I mean the definition of racism for me, The best definition of racism I've received uh, is from somebody called Sybil Phoenix, one of the Methodists I'll be celebrating on Saturday in my lecture. Um, The mother of racism awareness training ecumenically, uh, her definition of racism was um, prejudice plus power. Okay, everybody's prejudiced. It doesn't matter who you are, we're all prejudiced. We all have our likes and dislikes. But if you bring power into play, who has power, then Sybil would say, predominantly white people have positions of power. And that, that impacts negatively on the lives of black people. So if you look at poverty, living with plurality, looking at environmental degradation, you look at the lives of black people globally, you find that the ones who are hurting the most are the ones in the global South, they the majority of the world really, uh, in terms of population, black people uh, primarily. Um, so, um, okay, in terms of Black History Month, and if you, it's not just about Black History Month for me, it's not just about looking at where we've come from is, historically Although if you look at history, that's what I've just said is how it is, you know. That's um, how it, um, that's how it is now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, something has to change. Um to come back to our theme of change. Um and then week of prayer for world peace is very important to me, Chris, because I'm president of Week of Prayer for World Peace. Right. And on Sunday, on the 15th, um, at half past three. Week of Prayer for World Peace will be holding a uh, a seminar, um, and again I would imagine that's
0: on online. Mm-hmm. If we can dig out some links, we'll attach yeah. them to at the bottom of this podcast. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, um, and 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 you know that that will, they Week of Prayer for World Peace give an award annually. It's called Wilson Hinks, and uh, it's to it's to it's to celebrate local unsung heroes in terms of uh peacemakers and um, so they'll be making that award and, and somebody who will get a certificate is somebody who is known to be because he's a methodist david johnny an indian uh, lay person mm-hmm. working in luton with a project called grassroots and uh, he, he's worked there for years, uh, bringing people of a plural background, many backgrounds yeah. yeah. together, uh, working for peace.
0: Thank you for highlighting how we've got the big picture and then focus down onto the individual. And we've had the big sort of stories of what's getting your gut. But it's now time to look at the individual texts that are part of our lectionary. So there are Exodus 32, 1-14, to 14. Moses is on the mountain with God and the people struggling with how long he's gone ask Aaron to make them gods. Aaron agrees and creates the golden calf and we know where that leads. We also have Philippians 4, a great chapter, Paul encouraging the church to stand firm, to agree with one another, to live as those who await Christ's appearance and to meditate on things that are good, true and beautiful. And then another, for me, um, crazy parable from Matthew 22. Jesus telling a story about a king preparing a wedding feast for his son, but none of the original guests turn up. So he sends soldiers to destroy those and then invites others to come from the streets. And someone is found daring to be in his presence without wedding clothes. The person is thrown out, and Jesus is the well-known saying that many are invited, few are chosen. I've got my own thoughts, but I'm really interested on where you're going with some of these in the Where are you leading us?
1: <laughs> um, I, I was invited to a wedding this year. You um, know, it was to take place in another country. This is a this is how it is now, is Chris? You know, people get married and they get married in. Faraway places in really expensive hotels and that, and they expect you to pay for yourself. To
0: I've travel. never been invited to such a wedding, and I, I don't really want to be. <laughs> uh,
1: it. Uh, I I was invited to a wedding, and uh, me and my wife, and you know, we had to think long and long about whether we could afford to go. So, okay, yeah. we have a parable where some people are invited, don't go. In, you know. Um, anyway, I'll come to that. But I think if you look at um, the Exodus reading and the and the Gospel, um, let's let's begin there. I I think it's a theme of change. If I could go back to my theme of change, where we started, um, and and God changes in Exodus. Um, 22 and then in the uh, parable of the wedding feast the host changes and the host is meant to be god you know and then decides to go and invite others the ones i've invited haven't turned up so i'm going to change the plan um start again let's make another wedding list um i find that um interesting so um the the Exodus reading is about uh, averting disaster. Um, Moses pleads with God to to change in, to to avert disaster, which um, you know calls to mind the story of uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter eighteen. You know, it's a, a wonderful chapter story of um, giving food to strangers who turn up you know for abraham and it goes on to a story about um possible destruction of sodom and Gomorrah. And, and abraham pleads saying you know, are you going to destroy this whole city And if there's 50 good? People? what about if there's 45 you still what about if there's 40 and it goes down to 10 you know are you going to destroy the good and the bad and um, and god changes God's mind. I mean, I find that uh, remarkable um, insight in, in, in Scripture, In there in Genesis 18, but here in, in, in um, Exodus 22. And then the wedding feast, um, it's a... Yeah, it appears in Matthew and in Luke, and in Matthew... Um, there's an additional, uh, what could be termed to be a second part of the parable, uh, which doesn't appear in Luke, and that second part is where, uh, which is about the wedding garment. Really, somebody turns up who's not got the garment and who's who's told to leave and is sent out into the abyss where there is much. Um, you know, uh weeping and gnashing of teeth um and i i'm intrigued by that second bit because if we look at luke and matthew then i think the parable is about an invitation people who don't come make excuses about not coming and so the host says go out to the highways and the byways and invite everyone the good and the bad is what it says in Matthew: the good and the bad are there, present. everybody's there, and um, and maybe you know that that's where it should finish because the whole is full. Um, and and the other bit is that is that a later um, bringing together of another kind of another parable? No, I don't know. But we we, we just have to do a bit of interpretation here, don't we? But, well, but the key thing for me, um, Chris, we could say a lot about who is invited and who's not, you know, to go out into the highways and the byways. Um, you, you, from your perspective, and I, from there, we could say quite a lot. But where I want to focus is on, on the theme of change that comes through, you know, where we are politically, where we are as a well, world, the issues that are before us. And what I draw from this. So if I'm if I was preaching on this theme, I, I am actually uh, my my theme will be on um, on on the the, the the need for change, uh, and then uh, Paul there in Philippians. Okay, if you read a little bit further than uh, our. You know, one to nine. You go on to verse ten. It says, "I can do all things, yeah? whatever it is. If I'm required to change, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me." Um, so that that's where I would go, and that's where I'd be going in 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 my uh, uh, reflection.
0: Chris, thank you, indigit I was saying when I was a guest uh, rather than now the host, (laughs) having preached uh, for 23 years in the same congregation. I've been around the lectionary many times. And this parable, along with the others from Matthew, uh, have always struck me as very hard. But the idea that we equate God quickly to the king who gave the wedding banquet strikes me more and more as unlikely, um, because it is such an awful king, killing everybody. And we do a lot of hermeneutical gymnastics to pretend that the God of love, the God of peace, and I know peace is obviously deep in your heart, and that reading of verse 11, there was a man who was not wearing any robe, verse 12, how did you get here? And he was speechless, could be translated, and he was silent. Yeah. And it, it brings echoes to me of Christ, the one who was silent and who was nailed to the tree. And I'm wondering, the kingdom of God, I think it's verse 11, chapter 11, verse 12, where John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is where one is persecuted. And it almost strikes me as the king here is just Caesar. Yeah. I'm, I've often read this the wrong way up. And yeah. the kingdom of God is where silence reigns in the midst of persecution, rather than getting their own back. But
1: yeah, who has power? Who does not have power? Yeah, he has no power. Yeah, and and I, I yeah, I, th- I think the the immediately yeah you know, verse immediately before verse ten in in our gospel reading talks about the good and the bad being there. All yeah. there. So so the yeah. next one didn't make sense. You know, there's somebody who's Okay, not quite got the right outfit, and uh, yeah. there we go. So, I, I, d- to help us a little bit more, I also think that the read we have to read passages in context. You can't read a little bit, um, and so I, I think it helps to read also read chapter twenty one, yeah, uh, uh, because that's where Jesus is. Um, uh, presenting his critics, right? mm. people with power, mm. priests, you know, the mm. theologians of their day who've got uh, whose theology is being questioned, um, and they don't like that. Um, and it says they wanted to arrest him, they wanted to be removed out of the way. Um, yeah. and so I think it they are often at the end of and the, carry the brunt of Jesus' criticism. Um, and they realize that he is addressing them. So I think that parable about uh, the wedding feast, who is it directed at particularly? is directed at yeah. those people who make these decisions about who's going to be in.
0: Yeah, who's powerless.
1: Who's and, going to be in the kingdom and who's not going to be in the you kingdom either. I think that, um, so it, it actually challenges Jesus is challenging um, um, the theologians of his the day, who decide who's going to be and then who, who's not, who think they have the have the power to decide, rather than God, who is generous. You know that's what we see in this 22, and in this, who who wants to include everyone, the good and the bad.
0: A question that I asked Bishop Rob last week, I'll ask you this week. I think I may well ask all my guests: is is the pulpit a place for questions or a place for answers? It's for questions. If you follow Jesus's
1: style, he didn't uh, give answers. He all, you know, if anybody asked him a question, he always said, "What do you think?" You know, he. So I think that's a good, uh, good style. So I, I would say. Um, quite often in my preaching, I will hold up options before, you know, one, this, two, this, three, this, four, that, and so on. What do you think? You know, um, what's
0: the key question for this week then? In the yeah.
1: Well, I think the question is, what part can we play okay. in, in, um, in, in bringing about change and transformation? Which takes me really to, what, what's a sermon for? I mean I would say the goal of good preaching you know in terms of where we want to go in a sermon is 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 about um highlighting uh holding up um transformation and change um you know within the context of our culture and experience I think good, in good preaching, you you you'll tell it as it is, um, and then you will address people's hurts and fears and concerns and issues, and and show where God is wanting us to go in terms of change and transformation. And um, quite often, I mean, I don't know about you, Chris, but I, I, uh, as a Methodist minister. <coughs> um, I was brought up to have three points mm. in my sermon. Mm. Um, you can be fairly sure if you're in the Methodist Church, you'll get three points. I've mm. gone away from that. Mm. I, I've gone away from that. I've decided that make one point. You know, yeah. So yeah. before I start to speak, uh, before I, I start to get my sermon, I'll, I'll always think about what's the one thing mm. I would Communicate here. Yeah. What's the main message, and can I sum it up in a word? So it might be the word change. Yeah, uh, is coming someday. Um, uh, quite often, my word because of uh, where I am at the moment is the word sanctuary. I talk a lot about sanctuary. Uh, you know the whole question of migration. I don't know if you can see this picture behind me, uh, Chris. It's a picture of picture drawn uh, by painted by. An Italian, uh, Francesco Piobici, who works in Lampadusa, where um, you now many refugees coming north from Tunisia and Libya, uh, 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 and many of them uh, come on boats that have actually capsized, so they are floating in water. Many have died, and that paint, that picture there, um, is of um, a woman. Um, who was lifted out of water, and um, when they lifted her out, they discovered that she would given birth as she drowned, so her baby was still, you know, tied uh-huh. to her, her, the umbilical cord, and and that's going on in our world today. And so, question for me is, you know, where are we going, and how do we bring about? change I mean, all the political parties this week have been highlighting it. it's a big hot potato in politics yeah. in elections and so on you know and everybody seems to think um migration is about security and stopping people coming here because criminals and uh, economic migrants but actually 90 percent of the world's refugees are fleeing war they are looking for safety Um, And we need to find ways of um, building sanctuary, building cultures of welcome and hospitality and safety. That's what Church of Sanctuary is about. So, you know, so for me, uh, Chris, if I just conclude this bit, um, a sermon, I will make one point, but I might have three movements in my sermon. All right. The three movements are this. I'll start off by saying what's the ideal what's what's the good news where are we going what is it i want to see you know what's the change i want to see where do we want to be and then i'll have to say uh, what is the reality now you know this is not where we are here are the ways in which um people are struggling and suffering uh issues addressing and thirdly um as a conclusion, I want to bring the ideal and the, and the reality together to say, okay, so how do we affect change? What is it that we need to do? What's the challenge uh, of, the, of the scriptures today? And bring the scripture and the reality together. So I'm not just saying, you know, this is what I think should happen. And I'm not just leaving people with the... Um, with the, with the tough situation, but I am offering insight into how we. How
0: Thank you so much, Indajit, for coming on this morning and sharing your wisdom and your reflections with us. Uh, thanks to the rest of you that have joined us online to ask whether and how we should approach politics from the pulpit this week. Uh, some housekeeping. If you have enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast, and do share this episode with your friends. Methodist friends, double points this week. We also have online spaces for further engagement and discussion about faith and politics on Twitter at pulpits underscore politics or using hashtag politics in the pulpit. We have a Facebook group which you can access through the Joint Public Issues Team Facebook page and the website jpit.uk. Indigit's going to give us one more piece of scripture just before I give us a blessing uh, from Autumn, from the Antipodean cartoonist Michael Lunig. Over to you, Indigit. Chris, there's two. Uh,
1: bits of scripture i keep in front of me always one is seek first the kingdom of god and everything else will follow the other one is this from philippians our gospel epistle reading today uh, philippians 4 verse 8 so finally whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is pleasing whatever is commendable if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these two, these things. Keep on doing these things that you have learned and you will find that the God of peace will be with you.
0: I'm going to leave Michael's prayer till next week. indigit you've given us a great place to end our reflection this morning. God bless and go well wherever you are.